Why is it that, that way more than any other sport? Why are we like this? Why are we put in this position over and over again? We're either pissed off about the writers, pissed off about games, pissed off about stats, pissed off about the rules of the game, pissed off about owners, pissed off about certain players. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 3-0 Take, where we talk all things Major League Baseball. Here's Kyle Corwin and Nate Reyes. It all starts right now. Welcome back to the Throw Take, presented by Big League Chew. This is episode 262. I'll be your host, Kyle Corwin, and I'm here with my co-host, Nate Reyes. Nate. I'm here. I'm ready to go. You're here. I'm here. We're ready to go. The players are ready to go. The fans are ready to go. There's a lot of people ready to go. There's a lot of people ready to go, and yet we still have no baseball. Mm -mm. Nothing. Not a thing. Not a good spot to be in. Monday's our, our deadline, right? Deadline, quote unquote deadline. <sighs> I was hoping we could buy some time before we just open this can of worms, <laughs> but let, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Major League Baseball comes out and says, hey, hey guys, look, games are going to be canceled if we don't come to a deal by February 28th. This is your lockout. Yeah. Who locked who out? Yeah. What are we doing? I don't know. I also don't understand the point of the deadline um, when before this week it was like, Three to four weeks of no conversation in between proposals from either side. So it's like, uh, typically you counter, right? You get a proposal you don't like, counter it with something else. Why isn't, why is that part not happening as much? Why is that part taking so long? And then all of a sudden we have this week of where they're going to meet every day and every meeting has been like three to five hours long. Like suddenly now you have a ton of stuff that you're willing to say. That you're okay saying to each other? Why did we waste December and January entirely? Complete waste. I just feel like there, like like we've said before, the the both sides of this deal here, they're so far on opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. To where, like you said, it's like, uh, you know what? I don't really like this thing, but here, I I'll meet you halfway. I'll I'll bump this up, or I'll I'll trim this back. But they're so stuck in their way. Both sides. We've talked about yeah. this. We've cut. Co- we've come to grips with the fact that both sides are at fault here, yeah. albeit in varying degrees. It's just like, hey, I know we're like a hundred thousand off of this total that we're we're trying to we're trying to reach here. But I, I really don't have any plans of of conceding anything. So either change your mind or plan on this continuing for weeks months let's just cancel the season altogether i don't know what's going on in these conversations because we're we're receiving very little information in terms of what's going on behind these closed doors but the information that we are receiving isn't really giving us any indication that anything positive is going to happen like i actually like literally minutes before we hopped on somebody had put out somebody had put out a tweet they said uh today and i'm sure there was no real reasoning behind it but she said i'm feeling an mlb deal today and then i quote tweeted and said me every day for the last two months like what are, <laughs> what are people what are yeah. people reading what are they hearing that's giving them any indication that we're headed down the right path sure these meetings are are maybe taking longer they're actually going longer than 15 minutes which i guess is a good sign yeah but if half of that time if not more time is being spent with just the sides meeting alone 
and then convening for 15 minutes and the 15 minutes is just spent saying hey we're not we don't really have any interest in changing what are we doing yeah i agree and it from what it sounds like the mlb side the proposals aren't really changing at all i don't i don't think they're like you said they're just kind of just showing up and being like hey we we have the same thing we did at the beginning of december what do you want to do what is that about like why why is there's zero compromise being you know happening at all i don't get that i'm also curious how long is a typical agreement i don't it seems like a silly question but like i that's a great question. Let's, because uh, I'm sure there's some eight, people... ten years, twelve years. Like I'm curious as to, as to what that is. And I think on the player side, I think they see. Not to interrupt. The most recent agreement was finalized on November 30th, 2016, and and lasted until December 1st of last year. So is every agreement only five years? Uh, I can't say for certain, but I I wouldn't imagine them being. Yeah, it says, I mean, I can't imagine them being much longer than that because things change over time, money structures change and all that. But it does say here uh, that the union and MLB typically ratify five-year CBAs. So I'm just curious as to, like, on the player's side, like, at what point do you – I think the players are going to be the ones that have to cave um, in a certain – I think they're going to compromise more than the the league. Well, well, here's the question, though. If if the players – Cause this is just a it's it's a stunt by Major League Baseball saying, "Hey, we're going to give you a, a February twenty eighth deadline, or yeah. else you're not going to get paid." If the players hold out and they say, "All right, let's call your bluff," who's really going to be losing out the most here? Wouldn't you think it would be? I mean, I I'm well, not the players a financial are paid while sure, they're holding out. So. Sure, but I mean, I'm not exactly a financial expert here. But if you look at the owner side, you've got the TV agreements. You've got the mm-hmm. on-field product. You've yeah. got ticket sales, concessions, yeah. merchandise, all of that. Sure, the players will take a hit, but who's really going to have their feet up to the fire when it's all said and done if this continues? I agree. I agree that the, the, the league has more to lose, but I do think that the players will compromise more. And the reason I say that is because if, if you have an end game goal on the player's side, you have a certain goal that you're looking to to get to eventually where you feel like the league will be in the best position. I think the the players are going to have to find their small victories in this current potential agreement. This this current 5-year stretch, whatever it may be. They're going to have to settle and say it's not what we wanted, but we're getting closer and we'll probably be in the same boat 5 years from now too. I think we're going to go through this more often and it's just going to be this way until a new commissioner you know, steps in until something changes. Um, I just, uh, I'm curious. I, I think from what I'm reading about and what I've, you know, and again, it's not articles. I'm, I'll be honest. I'm not reading pages and pages of articles every day. Um, it's more like the Jeff Passan updates on tweets and things like that. From what it sounds like, it's it's the tax threshold that's kind of getting in the way the most. I think the biggest arguing point is is the players want that up. And the owners won't move. They won't budget on that. I don't. I don't. I think that's going to be one of the things that the players are going to have to kind of give up on their side and willing to compromise on. Um, if they can get the arbitration stuff taken care of and that pool that they're talking about, that two to three years versus the six years, I think that's something that they're. They would. I would consider that a big win. If I'm on the player side and you can get that handled, that's a big win. 
the tax threshold may be something that you just have to attack next next time around. I think in addition to that, I think another one of the issues that I would imagine the players value pretty highly and, and hold with a high regard is the uh, league minimum. That definitely needs to be a part of this time. Uh, from what I'm seeing here, the league has offered the players a $10,000 increase from 630 to 640 and that the league would plan to grow that number by 10000 each year. On Tuesday, I believe of this week, the so the Players Association proposed a minimum salary that began at 775 for 2022 with an annual increase of 30000 That's a lot. That is a lot, but that's actually a 36% increase for those keeping track of big. That's a big raise. Here's, here's what's interesting, though. And I, I pulled this uh, directly from an article because I didn't want to misquote or misspeak. So bear with me. Industry revenues have increased by approximately 53% since 2012 through 2019 to, to an estimated $10.4 billion in 2019 pre-pandemic. During that time of record revenue growth, the minimum salaries have not increased by more than 5.42% from one season to the next. That came in 2016 to 2017 uh, the last time, just like we talked about, the, the new CBA was negotiated. It says, it's a small contributor to the fact that in recent seasons, the average major league salary has gone down, again, pre-pandemic, for the first time since collusion in the, in the 1980s. Player salaries have decreased by 6.4%, with the average salary declining from $4.45 million to $4.17 million during the span of the current CBA. Yeah, I get it. Like I said, I mean, I get it because I, th- I think with the player side, they're almost trying to make up for lost time and, and money. Like that's what they're arguing for. You know, that $30,000 $30, a year increase for the entire agreement. Is that what they're proposing versus the league's 10? But it's starting at a different number. I think they're just trying to make up for lost time. And that's where the compromise is going to have to come in. And just the players are going to have to recognize and say, hey, like we're not making up for that the last eight or nine years. We're just not going to make up for it. What we can do is build for the future. And if you can meet them in the middle, I mean, why not? Why not drop that down to a $20,000 a year increase, right? I mean, if we want to talk meeting in the middle, that would be the middle. The league wants 10, players want 30. Again, starting a different number, like you said. But yeah, in terms of the annual increase, that's something that- Just meet in the middle. Drop down in the middle. That's one the league thing. Wants, the league wants to start at 640. Players want to start at 770. Is that what you said? 775. 775. Let's split that in the middle. What is that? 710? 705? Somewhere in that range? Yes. Somewhere sure. in there. The low sevens, right? It's been a while since I had math. Meet in the middle and drop that annual increase down to 20 grand and let's go. Let's just go. Let's play baseball. Like I, I understand, but you have to you have to see the fact that you're not gonna make up for the money lost. I'm sorry. The players are not gonna make up for that eight or nine year discrepancy of of not making more money or potentially losing money, like that article said. It's gone. Let it go. But build for the future. Because if you ask for thirty now and not get it, you could settle for twenty on an annual increase and say, All right, we'll get them at the next CBA, we'll get them next time. And maybe, maybe Manfred will, you know, trip over a curb and, yeah. and potentially 
you know, yeah. fall down and and, and bite his tongue off so he okay. can't talk anymore. Okay, that, that's. That, I thought you were gonna say get hit by a bus or something. I said, well, no, I didn't want to be that morbid. Yeah, let's but like, be careful. We were like maybe maybe something. Maybe like a scrape scrape of the knee that just a small you know, something keeps him out for an extended period of time. To that point, yes, if you're the players, you want to take your small victories where you can. But as we've mentioned on here before, it's a slippery slope. If you start making what concessions, you're to compromise even on. if yeah. you, even if you have a new commissioner, which who knows what's going to happen with this guy that we have currently in in that position. I think we're. Can we just stop saying his name? Well, I'm done saying his name. What should we refer to him? We as? can't call him the commissioner because no, he's not even that. So we got to call him something else. Bob. Should we no. call him Bob? No. Yeah, that's a disrespect to people named Bob. Yeah. We might call have to. I might what about think Bobby? Him. Bobby seems like a little more of a slight. Bobby is almost, I would argue, too cool for too this cool. Guy. Dick. Well, that's <laughs> also a slippery slope. If you want to talk slippery slopes, um, maybe we'll leave it up to the the listeners. Maybe we'll get a little poll going. <laughs> get a little poll. Nate's favorite thing to do. Get a little poll going. <laughs> uh, but yeah, even if you do have a new guy in this in this position five years from now, whenever the time comes. If you've already made concessions and it's become the the new norm and people kind of forget that yeah things were as bad as they were this go around sure you kind, of, you kind of set yourself up for failure in the future understood well that's where the concessions have to begin right that's where they have to begin is is if the league isn't going to budge on the tax threshold right if there's not going to be any compromise on that then I understand why the player side would ask for this this minimum you know salary ask and increase that's where i get that the league has to find a way to compromise on both or compromise on one or something if you're it, 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 i think they go hand in hand okay we're not going to raise the tax threshold we're going to leave it at two what was it 14 fine but we'll give you that 775 with a 30 30 in, annual increase we'll give you that but we're not touching this that's what negotiating is so why isn't that happening? Why isn't the league willing to budge on one of them or halfway on each? I don't understand. But based off the article you just read to me, it sounds like players, the player side is just coming in spitting facts. I mean, like, look, here's this. It brought us X during this amount of time. You made this, but we didn't make this. And now we're here. Like, that's, I feel like they're coming into every meeting just saying, like, there's, these numbers are not lying. I don't know why you won't budge. No, and, and fortunately, they have the support of the majority of fans out there because the fans, like the players, are seeing right through the owner's BS and the league's BS. Like, yeah, they're not fooling anyone. Yeah, Maybe if this was 50 years ago and all we had was the the Sunday paper to go off of, it's not the case anymore. The And I'm pretty sure we've talked about this at length, too. You have players now being very open about the reality of the situation their thoughts on the situation and where they want to see things go we didn't used to have that but now we do and so if there's that transparency at least on one side that's probably who you're going to tend to support a little more when you see like i said the numbers and the, the reality of the situation do you think patrick mahomes is going to these meetings for like representing the royals he should be if it means getting away from I mean, it's as much of a joke of that sounds, but like that's something that we're getting that, yes, different sport, but player perspective in the owner's side of of the the meeting room, right? 
I think that's something where it could be potentially become a little more common. I think that should happen. I think it's smart that we're getting we're getting into other leagues, and I, we don't need to again. But you know, you got D Wade bought into the Jazz, right? Mahomes bought in with the Royals. It's starting to become a little bit of a trend. Um, LeBron, I think, was a part of the. Don't what was the me. Fenway Corporation or whatever it is? I don't remember the exact Fenway name. Fenway Sports Group. Don't remind me. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that you're seeing players kind of infiltrate a little bit of that, you know, good old boys crew that's running leagues and owning teams and things like that. I think that is something that could potentially turn positive. That's something that needs to happen more. Again, more guys like Joe Torrey that had that entire playing career, that had that entire managing career. Now he's in MLB front office. Now he's had, you know, he's had these big roles. That has to happen more and more and more. And it's just time to move on from old Dickie Manfred because of the fact that we're not used to we're not used to taking orders from somebody that doesn't know our game. And it's clear he doesn't know our game, right? I think that's pretty obvious. So you got a team of people that tell him, hey, this is this is baseball. You're watching baseball. You've been doing this for a little while. That ball gets thrown from that little that little mound, and it gets thrown this way, and he he tries to hit it with a stick. Dickie Manfred's like, "All right, let's scoot that mound back, though." Uh, <laughs> Twenty bucks says they when he first took this job, they locked him in a room and hooked him up with just, M- MVP two thousand five, <laughs> a little in a in a single controller, and said, "Learn the game." And it's clear that. He, he got, didn't. He, he got refused. stuck on the settings menu or something yeah. because he didn't he didn't learn the game and has not learned the game. Broke his controller. Tough, tough. Oh no, man. I'm hopeful. Uh I, I don't fully understand um certain things. Uh, one thing I do think that should happen is the, the they need to the league needs to open up some type of availability for players to start getting work in. If you're set on this deadline on Monday the 28th being the point where we're going to have to cancel games, open up the facilities in some ways, whether it's maybe the trainers getting in with players, let that start to happen. Otherwise we're going to see a really interesting production or lack of production come season time. That's the crazy thing about this whole thing. If you just end the lockout, you can still, there's no rule that says you can't continue to bargain and negotiate and, exactly. and do all these other things. But let at them least, into the facilities. At least you let the on-field product that you claim to care about and want to market so badly, at least let them put themselves in a situation. To make you money. To make you more money. That's, that's was, what I'm saying, yeah. There was so much momentum with the league in. I from mean, these like, last couple of years. And now would you, you just be okay? Come would you be okay if, halt. if they if they just said, players, you're allowed to report to spring training. We are not televising games, and we're not letting any fans into the stadiums. We'll play exhibition games. You figure it out on your own. We don't care. Manager to manager, you decide. If you want to play seven, nine innings, if you just want to work through your bullpen and then call it at a certain point, whatever, right? I'd be okay with that. I hardly watch spring training games anyway. I live in Arizona. I could go to half the league's spring training games anytime I want. The people that even go to spring training games don't even watch the spring training no. games. You you see them on TV and they're like they're not, not even not at all. facing You're the eating. they're not even facing the field. They're like their posture. They're like got their their whole bodies turned, talking to the guy beside him, and then a ball's hit and they they don't budge. Eating eating because it's cheap to go there and you're in the sunshine and you're chilling. We don't need them. 
I'll save my $14 spring training ticket if it means that these players can get in, get the work they need, and do what they need to do to be ready for the season. I don't want to see – I'm tired of seeing – I get it. The pandemic was – it is what it is, right? That season was what it was. But I think a lot of what happened last year was because of that shortened season. How short are we willing to go this year? Talking about losing 20, 40, 60 games. What are we going to lose? And then how much production are we going to lose when these players do come back and it takes them weeks and weeks to get into the full swing of things because they didn't get a spring training? I've already said it. My The thing, aside from the games themselves and getting to follow the players and teams and, again, and all that again, my favorite thing that I'm probably looking most forward to is seeing how Major League Baseball responds once this is all over. Like I want to be I want to be the first person to visit their website when this lockout ends. Like what a sham. Like hey yeah. guys, 2022's here, let's play ball. Like pretending like nothing happened. Yeah. Manfred's going to be holding press conferences pretending like nothing happened. These owners are going to be holding I'm sure press conferences or submitting their comments to these journalists who are going to put out articles saying how they love the game and how they can't wait to put a winning team out on the on the on the field spare me that yeah i don't need any of that i'm I'm curious to see how it plays out but i agree you're not you're not fooling anybody this is something that we eventually just need to phase out and we need to get either ex-players ex-managers ex-baseball people or just people that like get them on the other side Keep them going over, right? There needs to be that kind of opportunity. I've just had it hearing about these owners who who view this as nothing more than a little side investment. It's like, then invest in something else or invest in something that you care about or invest something that you think is going to make you money because there's multiple owners out there claiming that it's a risky investment, even though the valuation of these franchises is in the billions. But we're not going to talk about that. Oh no, homie! Bunch of frauds. Oh no, we stay ready though. As a fan, we just we stay ready. I'm I'm re- all I do every day. All I do every day is test the limits of the waistband on each pair of sweatpants. I make sure the couch cushions are able to line up perfectly come opening day. I make sure popcorn is in the cupboard. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing to stay ready. I'm preparing. Stay ready. That's all you can do. Is there some ad read that we have coming up that i'm, I'm no i'm unaware just I'm of. saying i'm staying ready that, sh- that sure sounds like a like you're prepping for an ad read gonna make sure the sweats feel good <clears throat> all that i mean hoodie all games on point all, all the hats fit yes all that's true but if i'm being honest i'm i'm totally content right now in the time being or for the time being with this college baseball content that's just coming are you the college baseball is taken for they know they get it they're those people, those people went to school. They get it. Yeah, they're taking full advantage of the situation right now. Like they're from some of these pages I've seen. I don't know if it's the the communication directors that are in charge making these calls, but I'm pretty sure they're looking at the situation, going, telling their their baseball SIDs tweet tweet whatever you want. I let, let's have fun with this while we while we got the spotlight. And they're just they're having a blast with it. And the on field product has been phenomenal through what like five games already it's uh, it, it's holding me over i'll say that much just fine for now 
Look, uh, the reality of it is when Major League Baseball does come back, like, yeah, we all want it, but it's going to be, I don't know, regardless what side of the, the aisle you're on, it's going to be a little uncomfortable because it there's just going to be, there's going to be animosity there. There's going to be bitterness. There's going to be some, I would imagine, some pretty ugly sound bites coming yeah, over the airwaves. Like it's, it's true, man. There's just, there's so much controversy and it's uh, controversy is probably a strong word, but there is, there's so many examples of frustration for baseball fans. Why is it like that? Why is it that, that way more than any other sport? Why are we like this? Why are we put in this position over and over again? We're either pissed off about the writers, pissed off about games, pissed off about stats, pissed off about the rules of the game, pissed off about owners, pissed off about certain players. Why are we like this? There's like, always something that we're upset about. Have you realized that? Yeah. That's just, that's society, my my dude. Did you I don't remember C? any other game being that way, any other any no. other sport being that way. I don't, I don't remember any anything like that. I feel like every other sport's just happy-go-lucky, whatever goes, goes. Our sport's constantly pissed off about something and super divided. America. Did you say seat? Nate, seat geek is the answer to all your ticket needs. Are you looking for tickets? Do you have plans with friends or family to make it to an upcoming game or concert? Or are you looking months ahead to nail down a date to get tickets before they sell out? With SeatGeek, you can you can find tickets to games, concert shows, and even theater performances with just a few easy clicks. Nate, we are making it even better for you. If you're a first-time user of SeatGeek, Next time you add some tickets to your cart, use our promo code the three zero take pod at checkout to save twenty dollars instantly off your first purchase as a first time user. That's all you got to do to save some of that. Cold hard cash. Enter promo code the three zero take pod at checkout. All right, let's transition into some. I guess you could call it news. This this some. This lockout stuff has it's been pretty consistent over the last number of weeks. But some some quote news was released, if you will, recently. Um, the twenty twenty two spring training hats dropped, and I gotta say, let me just let me just go ahead and say it. These are pretty solid. I think so too. People people knocking on the mesh. Look, folks, if you're not if you're not at our age yet, you're gonna get to an age yeah. where. The fitteds, they just, just it just stops being a thing. It's just, it just stops being a thing. They don't hit the same. You don't look. Let's be honest. Nobody really ever looks good in those boxy fitteds. You're gonna get to the point in your life where you're gonna say, you know what? Maybe the uh, the little snapback buttons in the back. Maybe that's the move. Maybe throw some mesh on there. A little trucker hat. It's. I'm telling you, it's gonna be the look. That's that's what happened to Nate and I. It's gonna happen to you. It's inevitable. So yeah. just. Learn to use this as an exercise, as an opportunity to embrace the mesh. It's nice. It's nice. I've always liked the 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 mesh bills, the trucker bills, always move and stay in the perfect shape. They always end up being uh, being the way to go. I'm looking at all these now. Which one? Which ones jump at you? Um, are you really gonna make me? I really choose? like the Brewers one. The brewer, the brewer's one is clean. I say again, are you gonna make me choose? Depends, Kyle. How do you spell choose? Like any normal person would. C H E W S. Hmm. All right. We were talking that choose. Like, like big league chew. Big league chew, my friend. I've heard of them. I've heard of them. They're pretty good. 
they're, they're fantastic. What are we they talking about? They are fantastic. Are Presenting sponsor of the 3 take, Big League Chew. Founded by former left-handed pitcher Rob Nelson, Big League Chew started from humble beginnings in the Portland Mavericks bullpen in 1977. For more than 40 years, the iconic pouches packed with shredded, flavorful bubble gum has become the number one shredded gum of athletes everywhere. Big League Chew has sold more than 900 million pouches and is designated as the Hall of Fame bubblegum. Grab some gum and head to Big League Chew's social media channels, at Big League Chew on Twitter and at Big League Chew on Instagram to show off your Big League bubbles. You can also find a list of retailers or purchase any of their products directly from their website at BigLeagueChew.com. Love that. Still sounds good. I can't wait till we do our uh, our flavor bracket. Been slacking, been slammed with with work and and whatnot, so I haven't had a chance to do that. But it's coming. You just you stay tuned. Keep an eye out for some uh, potential upsets with that too, because yeah, you'd be surprised. This is you'd the official podcast of Hot Takes, and boy, are we gonna bring them to you. Uh, these 2022 spring training hats. Look, there's one thing that that actually jumps out to me. And it's not even a compliment. It's 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 really a question of what are we doing? Why why did the San Francisco Giants say, hey, let's break the norm here <laughs> and put our put two logos on the front of the hat? Let's put a smaller version of our logo right there. Here's what I think. I think that G looks so much like the like Cleveland. the Tokyo Giants. Okay, I was gonna say it looks like the Cleveland C because if you look at the they do. That G Definitely and then the, the, the Guardian C, I thought it yeah. was their way of like distinguishing, but that doesn't make any sense. I think it looks like, is it Tokyo? Tokyo Giants, right? Sounds right. I think it's in Japan. I don't know whether they go that's, by uh, that's Tokyo why we Giants. Have, have the Google. But either way, I think that could be the only thing. It looks like the same font. The, um, the, uh, the Blue the Jays Yam, one is clean, though. The Yamiuri Giants, how do you say that? There you go. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, Yamiuri. That's close. Close? It's close. It's yeah. The only thing I can think of. Why would they do that? No one else did that. I would say it looks more like the the Guardian C, but yeah. If you need uh, if you need a little sneak peek, by the way, just head to our head to our page on Instagram. You can kind of see the, the graphic we put out a few days ago. We busted them out by uh, by division. You can get a nice little zoom in. Yeah, I'm here for the people. I know what they need. Yeah, they don't want to I mean, zoom in on all thirty hats. Um, eat early favorites. Early favorites in the clubhouse for me. Uh, the White Sox for one, really solid. Not sorry for for starters, I should say that's it's not at number one. Yeah, uh, I'm just scrolling through the divisions here. The Blue Jays is kind of different. I mean, I would have liked maybe a little red in there, but I mean, no, I, I like the white. I don't know why. It's just like a, I like the. It's clean. Yeah. Everybody's saying the Rays. Can somebody tell me what the Rays have changed about that use? or that particular logo in its usage in the last however many years. Yeah, haven't touched it. The Starburst doesn't, doesn't seem all that different. Rangers one looking classic, looking like Nolan Ryan days. I'll be honest, and forgive me if I've said otherwise. Like I'm, I know last year we did our jersey ranking breakdown right before the season started. I hope I didn't say that I liked that Texas logo, but I'm. I'll be honest with you, I'm not a huge fan of that logo. I like it. It's just it, there's too much going on, in my opinion. I like it. It's like, I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe it's not too busy, but it's just, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it's a great logo, but it just doesn't come across as a hat logo for me. I don't know. 
Like the A's logo, that's a hat logo. The Angels also logo, clean. that's a hat logo. Like, just give me the give me the letter, the combination of letters. But I mean, you throw on a couple letters on there, the outline of your state, make it all the same color. It's just understood. Doesn't pop. No Should disrespect to the Rangers. I didn't. I didn't plan on just going in on the Rangers on this podcast. Uh, uh, the, how do you feel about these hats that just have like the red on red all the way through? Not a fan. The Reds, the Nationals, the Cardinals, the Angels, like. At least the Phillies gave it some pop. I do like the white. Cardinals, and Cardinals fans forgive me, but I've never seen that logo before. Maybe it's a, a past logo, but I've never I like seen it. it either. I'm fine with it. I just need it. Like, give me like a white outline. I can't see it. Well, I mean, you got the beak on there, which at least helps you distinguish what it is. Yeah, the Pirates one. Like, I, I know the Pirates are kind of limited on what they can do. I mean, you, you could, I feel like you could implement the the Jolly Roger a little bit, but I mean, teach their own, I guess. The Brewers. That's just Bruce, a clean. That's just clean. That's a clean logo. <laughs> can't really yeah. can't really go wrong with that. Um, the Rockies one, very solid. I know it's that might be an unpopular opinion based on what I've shared thus far, but I just love that logo and the fact that yeah. it's kind of like a a dark on dark kind of thing. Like you bear. I mean, yeah. I don't know what it actually looks like in real per, in real life, but the I would imagine the purple might be a little difficult to distinguish, but I still think it's sweet though. I see the D-backs dipping in into their past a little bit. Yeah. I like that. Dodgers, I'm boring. Right that. Padres, boring. Giants, what are we doing? Let's go Marlins. That's, oh, that's true. Just... How did I miss that? The Marlins for sure. Easy clean. number one for me. Easy number one. It's just like the clean outline. Why didn't we that... make that? Marlins, why didn't we make that our primary logo? Like All get the time. Rid... I don't need the baseball. All the time. That's that... fire. Did I just stumble across... A deep-seated opinion that was in my subconscious that I didn't even realize I had. We didn't if, even know. If there. you're a sports team, you don't need to put your the 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 ball of the sport that you represent in your. Yeah, logo. we get it. We get it. Like, Unless it's the Brewers, we're like that's a subtle thing. Oh, wow. yeah. I mean, if you that can makes use, sense. If you can use the wheat, use the wheat. Yeah. <laughs> but but I mean, Yankees. One of the yeah, most. Yeah, kind of like the Rockies. The Rockies put the ball on the mountain. Yeah, I mean, if you I don't can, hate that though. Yeah, I mean, if you can incorporate it in a tasteful way, I guess. But it's like the Yankees, one of the most iconic logos of all time. They don't have a baseball in that. Well, I mean, in one of their logos, they do. But in the NY logo that we yeah. all know, you don't need to put your sports ball on the logo. So, yeah, Marlins, let's let's, let's consider making a change. Let's let's uh, go all in on this full time, shall we? Leave it right there. Are these are these snapbacks? Uh, I read that they're but fitted. I can't figure out. So but they're the player, fitted mesh? Yeah, they're fitted mesh, which I think is terrible. Stupid. Stupid. I mean, I get it, though. You you got to have the players wear fitted. That's just a, a staple of Major League Baseball. Yeah. for I I think I agree. It'd, be, it'd but, look very weird. If, but they are going to have the low-profile hats, which I think will make up a little bit of the difference. Yeah. But, yeah, easy, like easy number one for me, the Marlins. Um Number two, probably Chicago, probably the White Sox, and then number three, probably I don't know. I'm I'm a sucker for A's hats, man. Like they're a classic green with the gold brim hat. I love that hat. I have it. I don't even like the A's, but I have that hat because I love it. Um, the Cardinals one's up there. That one's up there too. I mean the Rockies. I probably go. I probably go Marlins, White Sox, Rockies. I'm going Marlins, Brewers. Three's tough. Three is tough. 
I like the Rangers. I'm going Rangers. Uh, each their own. Or Blue Jays. Right there, it's a tie. Both clean. Yeah, Blue Jays is, Blue Jays is solid. Respect to the teams that experiment a little bit in a tasteful way. Like, why not? Yeah. yeah. Like, the teams that just don't do anything. So why? Boring. It's like... Except there are teams that you don't touch. Fair. I guess. Teams you don't really touch. Either way, though, I like I... Personally, I would like to see the Yankees use that alternate logo. The hat, the yeah. top hat, and the ball. Yeah. And the bat. Like, I, I like that one. Use that one a little more. Yeah, I was getting weird with it. Uh, speaking of getting weird, Nate, unless you have any closing thoughts on the hats, uh, let's talk about this Vandy wearable pitch signaling device that recently came up in the news. Um, apparently, the NCAA, that fraud of an organization, uh, calls it, which I found this out today, they call it, quote, an electronic display board. What does that even mean? Second of all, these are wristbands. Uh, and I, I've got some yeah. notes here for those who have no idea what we're talking about. But basically, you got these wristbands that uh, these players wearing, and all nine guys on the field wear them. Yeah. Uh, and because of these wristbands, the catchers, I know Vandy uses them. I want to say... I had the I had the UVA game on yesterday, and yeah. I'm pretty sure they were using them too. I may be wrong there, but I'm pretty sure they had it on. Uh, because of that, the catchers do not give any signs, and the goal, as you would expect, well, I think it's a, a two-pronged approach here, but it's to enhance the pace of play yep. and eliminate sign stealing. Yeah. Nate, thoughts? I haven't seen any footage of it, so I haven't actually seen it in action. From the outside, sounds good. I don't mind it. Wow. Um, a former really catcher. Yeah, I really don't. Now, there's there's a difference. If you give one to a catcher and he's able to maybe like a more sophisticated one where he's able to actually put in signs or something like that, then it's uh, that I would probably would be the most optimal thing. I don't want the catcher completely losing control. The fact that it's college, it's understandable. Maybe the pitching coach or, you know, head coach is actually doing the, the pitch calling. But still, as far as the concept of it goes, I do like the idea of all nine guys knowing what pitch is coming. And as a left side infielder, you remember how nice that felt. We used to be able, my at least in high school, when I was at shortstop, my job was to do my best to peek into the catcher and try to relay the sign to the outfielders. So I would go closed fist behind my back for a fastball open hand to see the palm for off speed. So that way the center fielder and left fielder kind of had an idea. Uh, but I, I like that aspect of it. I do also think one thing that I think we're missing. Why not let the umpires see explain how your often, reasoning. how often do we see umpires get caught off guard, right? How often do we see a pitch full, not only a hitter, a catcher and an ump like we've seen one of those three can get fooled. An umpire can get fooled on the pitch. So if an umpire had the ability to know what pitch was coming, so if the catcher stood up and he has this sophisticated wristwatch band thing, and you and the umpire can look over the catcher's shoulder and see what's being plugged in, why not? If we want umpires' calls to be as correct as possible without having the robo-ump, let them see. Let them see what pitch is coming so they're not caught off guard. Why are they guessing? They don't need to guess. I think they should know. Can I play devil's advocate here? Sure. What would you say to someone who thinks that 
the fewer people that know what's coming, the better. Regardless, who, who would say that? Regardless if it's the team itself that's using it or someone neutral, such as an umpire or the the opponent. Because at the end of the day, the only people that really need to know what's coming or what's being called or what's being communicated sure. is a pitcher and catcher. Everything outside of that is a luxury, like you said. For sure. If you're an outfielder, if you played outfield before, you know, like, if you've got eyes like a hawk, you could maybe, maybe get some sort of clue as to where to position yourself based on what's coming. Infielders, you have For a little sure. bit more of an advantage there. Yeah. But when it comes down to it, oh, the only people that really need to know are Need to catcher. know, yeah. Absolutely. I'm just saying if it's going to be used. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Why I not? mean, sure. And why, have we, why have we not thought of that before just immediately jumping into robo umpires? I would Give argue the this. home plate umpire an advantage of knowing what the pitch is. And he may have a better idea of where this pitch is going to end up. How often does a, let's just say uh, a slider, right? Catcher calls a slider, moves outside. He's going down and out looking to maybe just dot the corner, right? How often does a slider back up and it's more of a front door action and the catcher kind of slides his gloves and he catches it on the inside plate, but his body is sure. over set up for the outside pitch, right? How often does that slider back up? That's the only real pitch that I can think of that can have two very vast different actions. Sliders back up pretty often. So if we saw that where it didn't break, it just stayed inside, right? that umpire would then be able to know, okay, a slider is either going to do this or it's either going to do this. So I have to know that I can't entirely give up this inside corner just because the catcher moved over, right? We've also talked about how often pitcher or uh, umpires are maneuvering their body to protect themselves from foul tips, right? We kind of figured this out a few years ago where we now we see every home plate umpire set up on the inside half of a hitter knowing he's less likely to get hit by a foul tip. No matter how the catcher moves, he stays on the inner half. That is now like the norm. If you didn't know that, read up and watch games. You'll see it. For the last few years, that's all we see now. What if the umpire knew what pitch was coming? What if he could then better position himself, knowing what the pitch is supposed to do or supposed to how it's supposed to break? Why can't that umpire set himself up for a better idea of the strike zone instead of the same view every single time being set up on the inner half. If I may interject here, the reason I, I included this in our list of things to cover today, if we haven't already made it clear, you, you may be wondering, well, why are we talking about a, a technology being utilized by a collegiate baseball team? It's coming. It's coming. We're talking about it to speculate on the potential implications should it be introduced to Major League Baseball. My question for you, a former catcher, and I heard him talking about it on the broadcast. They said if, which they would know far better than I would, because I would imagine they they would talk. They were talking to the coaching staff and the people that created the technology. They said if Vanderbilt uh, is comfortable using it for the the duration of the season, and they said they they've used them in scrimmages, they've used them in their in these first handful of games to start the season. They said no real issues. They've liked it. If they were to continue with that throughout the course of the season. They said the catcher would not call a single pitch all season. You, as a former catcher at one point in your lifetime, almost feels like a different lifetime at this point, <laughs> what do you say about essentially removing any and all development of the art of catching? Well, we've already seen, and we've kind of talked about this, the art of catching has completely changed, right? The art of catching has completely changed. The one leg down has now been advantageous for only stealing strikes. Right. 
because of the fact that guys are stealing less bases, catchers feel like their job now is to steal strikes more than the gun down runners, right? Like that is their primary concern. The, the robo ump will completely eliminate any type of catcher technique, any type. Catchers are going to be told to completely get in the most comfortable position to gun a runner down because framing doesn't matter anymore. We don't care how you catch it, just catch it. So I think what the robo umpire is going to do is probably eliminate that one knee down. You're going to see guys in a higher stance, a little more lifted, ready to throw anybody out because they're not worried about anything else. You've eliminated half of their responsibility, right? That's why I think it's, it's, it's a disaster if that shows up. Now, as far as calling the game, that's where I talked about. I think, I think if you could create whatever the coach has, whatever type, I don't know if it's a tablet that it's he's a, typing into I, and it's I showing up. I saw it on the broadcast. Fans. It looked like a, I, they didn't show an up close of it for obvious reasons, but um, it looked kind of like a phone or pager type thing. It didn't look like yeah. anything anything major, just a small little device. It, it looked like they showed him in the dugout using it. It looked like I think it was I think it was a UVA game that I actually saw the the usage of it. Maybe it was elsewhere, but it just looked like he was just texting. That's all it really looked like. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, if there's a way that they can give a catcher a wristband with six buttons, you know, give five the catcher pitches and a pickoff and just let him press the button and then we're done. I don't think I, I think there's a way that the technology can be transferred to a device that's different for catchers. But for for the catcher to be entirely eliminated on I think there's three aspects. One is pitch calling, two is framing, three is throwing runners out or not letting runners move up, right? With Robo Ump, it's gonna move the framing out of it. That aspect is gone, right? Now, if we have this wristband pitch calling, gone. Now, the only guys that the only job he has is arguably the easiest job of the three by not letting the runner advance. It's going to be horrible. I would take this over a robo ump any day of the week. I would probably agree with you. And I have, I have two thoughts on the matter, or I have two potential stances i'm willing to concede one one of one of my stances on this when i when i first saw it is that it eliminates any chance of manually or however you want to call it old the old-fashioned way of stealing signs as a base runner as a as an opposition if you're able to pick up signs through a, a variety of other methods legal of course if it eliminates that well that kind of sucks it was a dying but, thing anyway, right? But I would I would be willing to concede that aspect of the game if because to me this is more important. If like you were saying, or I make sure I want to make sure I'm understanding what you're saying right. If you give the catcher the ability to override or just call the game altogether, call the game altogether. At least at the if, major if league level, want. college is different, obviously. If you want, you could. I think a team should be able to choose what the catcher is going to have. Is he going to have a wristband that's just like all the other eight players, or are you going to give the catcher a specific wristband that has the pitch calling abilities? Be- I think a team should be allowed to choose. I don't think we should dictate which way that you know a team has to go either way. I don't think a pitching coach or a head coach has to be responsible, or a catcher has to be responsible. We've seen that responsibility being split and shared amongst all levels, all levels. I think that has to remain the same. I think you and I would agree, though, that I just like I don't like the idea of giving them the choice or letting the coach call it all together because 
you and I, in our experience playing this game, recognize that the guy behind the plate is the only guy, aside from the one throwing the baseball, that's in tune with what's For going sure. on between those 60 feet and 6 inches. There's nobody For that's sure. more in tune with what's working and what's not For sure. than the guy behind the dish. And if you if you eliminate that that channel of communication or that insight, the the art of catching and pitching, I would argue, it's happening, it's happening anyway. It's happening anyway. But that that responsibility is being split anyway. You know, you'll even at the major league level, you'll see at certain times. I mean, even with Yachty, if you get a kid that just got called up and he just showed up to the ballpark ballpark a few hours before the game, Yachty had no time to prepare or even have a conversation with this bullpen arm. Probably going to fall on the coach's responsibility, considering they have all the scouting reports. They know what this kid is capable of, right? They they can have that in the dugout. That responsibility is being shared between coaches and catchers on a regular basis anyway. That can remain the same. And that's where I think it comes down to a coaching decision, right? If you have, for example, Yachty or Molina, probably 90% of the time you're just going to let Yachty do Yachty, right? Flip to the other side if you have a, you know, a Gary Sanchez. Kind of clueless. Not sure what he's doing back there. So let's just let the coach do what the coach knows best. That conversation can still happen. Gary can still go to the dugout and say, look, that fastball is flatter than you think from this angle. I promise you there's no zip on it. It's flat. Slider is backing up. It's not breaking. That's what's going down. That's my angle. That's my perspective. That conversation can and should still happen. But I don't think that decision should be made as far as a rule. I don't think a rule should dictate whether a coach gets to call pitches or a catcher gets to call pitches. I don't think there should be a rule of who has to do that. I think that should remain a split responsibility. And I think whatever technology we move into should keep it that way. Whatever wristband that, you you know, Vandy is different. College is different. I would say it's probably the reverse. I'd say probably 90% of the, the games you're watching at the college level, coaches are calling pitches where the catcher maybe gets 10, 10% of their responsibility, right? I don't think it's something that needs to stay on all game. Maybe the catcher has a better better idea. Maybe the catcher goes in after the second or third inning and has a conversation with the pitching coach or manager or head coach and says, hey, this is what I see. A good team, a good coach would say, you take it from here. Take your wristband off. You take it from here, we'll just go old school signs. I don't think there should be a rule telling you which of those three options you can go with. But I think if there is something, if there is technology introduced, please don't eliminate one of the three aspects a catcher has. I think that's unfair, and it will change the game dramatically, and it will be a subtle change, but it'll change a lot over time. No, and I agree. And last couple things I'll say about it before we transition to top 10 third baseman. My gut reaction was no. When When I first saw the news break, when I saw the footage, I said no. Then I realized change is inevitable in baseball, that some sure. variation of this is coming. So I, I don't think this is any different from a head coach or offensive coordinator being able to talk to his QB in the year. No. This is the this is the exact parallel thing for baseball. And I agree. But I, I think we have to acknowledge that it will change the game a little bit, probably in more ways than maybe putting the earpiece in a, a QB's helmet sure. would. Yeah. With that said though. And I think this is the most important thing is if this in, this type of technology does get introduced to the major league level, it need, based on the things we've already talked about, it needs to be different than what the collegiate level is using. There has to be some sort of, like if you're going to give it to all nine guys, 
You have mm-hmm. to give the catcher some sort of override because these guys are paid professionals. Yeah, some of these guys yeah. like like Definitely a yachty been in the been in the league literally his whole life for sure. He knows better than a, a what a wristband is going to tell you. So for give sure, some sort 100%. of override or whatever you got to do. But again, that conversation is happening in the dugout without the technology. Sure. Yachty is having that conversation with pitching coaches without the technology. He's you know pitching coaches saying, "Hey, this kid just got here." I know him pretty well. I've been I've been studying all night on him. I know you haven't had the chance. I got him. You know, Yachty caught 13 innings last night. Let's just you know let me take the a mental break for him and call pitches right because we just called this kid up. It's it's a spot start, whatever it may be. I think that conversation is still being had. I do think that if we ever get an opportunity to talk to a catcher or another pitcher, because I feel like we only talk to pitchers, we should ask sure. that. And I think that's a great question to ask. I don't think there should be a rule that dictates how that is going down. And I don't think that it has to be mandatory. My only thing, and I I think I'm going to stick to this, I like the idea of umpires knowing when it's coming. I think they'll have a better idea of their strike zone. They'll have a better idea of what the pitcher is capable of. And there will be less missed calls, right? Because that's still happening too. Umpires are still missing calls. And there's still conversations in between innings. The same way a hitter does it, right? A hitter can come back and say, uh-uh, you missed that. It was a ball and a half outside, and you rang me up. Umpire goes, okay, that's my bad. I'll clean it up. Or he doesn't. Whatever that you know, whatever he says, whatever. But that conversation is still being had. It can still continue to be had. But if there is a way to bridge that gap between player and umpire, I think this is a way that it can be done. I'm less worried about it on this the sign stealing thing. I don't I don't concern myself with that at all. I'm not too worried about that. I think this is more about efficiency of the game, like you said, speeding it up the process a little bit. But I think we could take advantage of an umpire's transparency to help him call a better game. I think we should leave it up to the listeners. Let us know uh, what you think about the – and if you haven't seen I love it, it, you can I love Google that it. This, yeah, I like that this is happening. Good for Vandy for stepping in and creating something. At the collegiate level, I think it's just cool that like maybe this was created by a college kid at Vandy. You never know. Maybe there was a group of kids that, in the engineer class that came up with this idea, you know? Let's let the uh, listeners share their thoughts with us. Hit us up in the DMs. Let us know what you think about this and if you think it's good for baseball. Uh, for the sake of time, we got to move quickly to what is our last topic of discussion, our top 10 third baseman entering 2022. And wouldn't oh you know it, I already came with a list, but... Proud of you. I'm not going to tell you what's on my list because I don't want to be exposed for being a fraud. So as usual, as usual, we're going to work through this together. Well, before history is written, it's played before it's frozen in time. It's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver. It's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I don't know if it's considered bias. I don't think it is bias. I think we fit in the majority of of baseball fans, and, and we can say that Nolan Arenado is the best third baseman in the game. And I think he has points where offensively he's not the best in the game. Defensively, he's always the best in the game and right there in that conversation with maybe one other guy. But I think for me, the offensive numbers are there. All right. Not, not off to a great start here. Collectively. Who do you put above him? 
we don't need to get into details. Uh, let's talk about Jose Ramirez. I mean, can we not? He's get... number two for me. Okay. He's not far off either. I don't, I'm not saying Nolan gets the landslide choice here. Jose is in the conversation for me. I mean, Nolan Nolan Arenado is a 12.8 WAR guy. Jose Ramirez is a 12.2 guy. Defensive WAR, it's not even close. 4.8 and 1.2 uh, OPS plus. Jose's got him beat 132 to 121. Um, home runs over the last three years. Nolan's got the edge 83 to 76. Uh, but he's also done it in close to 100 more plate appearances. Um, OBP 350 to Arnado's 340, 528 to Nolan's 525, 877 OPS. I don't know, dude. I mean, yes, Nolan Arnado, any advantage, or I should say any disadvantage, to me is probably nullified immediately, and then some because of his defensive. Abilities. For sure, but I mean, uh, even the offensive disadvantages, I, I, there's not a whole lot there. Like you said, it, over the last you know three years, is almost we'll just say 80 more plate appearances. It looks like 84 more plate appearances. You know, more home runs, more RBIs. If you have, if you care about that kind of thing, um, uh, strikeouts are basically a wash. He's got 13 points higher in batting average. On base is pretty much a wash. Slugging is pretty much a wash which means OPS is right there together. It's just a lot of the offensive stuff just kind of cancel each other out in many ways, in my mind. Who would I rather have offensively? Jose. Who would I rather have as the third baseman? My starting third baseman? Nolan. Yeah, but I mean, it kind of contradicts what we've, our, our approach, if you will, that we've taken thus far, where it's like we haven't, we've considered defense, but why all of a sudden are we taking is it just because I, we're we're moving to more premium positions? Like I don't. I think it's because Nolan is going to go down as one of the best defensive players, if not the best defensive player of this generation. I'm for, and I for think, the record. I think I'm not this is the only Nolan. guy we're going to say that about. Really, sure. Yadi was maybe the only other person that I can think of. Where we're going to say you. You represent this position defensively for this generation. Nolan is the only other guy. Yes, Matt Chapman is good defensively, but Nolan is like platinum every year. He has a, he's had a gold glove every year he's been in the league. He's probably going to end up with, you know, Brooks Robinson type accolades defensively. So if the if the offensive numbers are that close between him, him and Jose, can't we give the edge to a generational defensive talent to Nolan? Yeah, but then you bring in the conversation, the fact that of the range that we're looking at, what two of those years were in Colorado or am I Mr. Has he already, has it already been two years since Nolan's been in St. Louis? No, I think this was his first year. Right. Yeah. That's what I thought. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's one complete so, year. in 2020 is a blur. I, I know. I know. I legitimately I couldn't tell you one way or another, but either way, uh, you could argue that a percentage, a fraction, if you will, of, of his offensive numbers could be skewed a little bit. So maybe it's not as much of a wash in these particular statistical categories that we're looking at, as you might think. It's a valid argument. Definitely. It really it really yeah. comes down to, do you want one of the best defensive third basemen we've ever seen and will ever see, or do you want a guy that's going to hit a little better than the other guy? Well, well, let's go ahead and let me just pull up, because I know we looked at uh, like a, 
accumulation of three years. Yeah, I mean, Nolan did have a kind of a down year with his first year. And even that, I mean, it's, it's a down year. He had 34 home runs, you know, 4.1 war. All right, let's go. Let's go just because I love Nolan so much. Let's just let's go Nolan one. It's close. If he was if he was a great if he was a great defender, I would probably make more of a push for Jose, but we're talking about like a, a generational defender. So let's go let's go Nolan one, Jose two. Who do we got at three? I didn't like it. Um, but I was surprised by the numbers Bregman. Interesting, because I have Bregman at four. I have Devers at three. And I will I admit, have the opposite. I have Devers at four, Bregman at three. I will so admit, I'm willing to hear your argument here. Well, I'll admit slight bias, but because and going back to the eye test, because Nate, you have told me that apparently we're not, we've gotten away from the eye test, which is interesting because when we when we started doing these lists a year or two ago, it was only eye test. It was only <laughs> eye test, and they were like, yeah, yeah we should probably start looking at numbers. numbers. So, yeah, gotta gotta strike a balance here. But all right, well, you Rafael, run through Devers. I'll run through Ch- or uh, Bregman. All right, well, going across the board here, eighty-one home runs. Um, let's actually start further left because Devers um, leads the list in this category, and I think you should definitely read that number off. That's not important. Uh, plate appearances. 107 doubles. That's what I was talking about. Oh, I was looking at the plate appearances. No. 107 he... doubles for, for Rafael Yeah, the dude's Devers. a doubles machine. <laughs> yeah. Um, Bregman's at 66. Now, again, we're talking a discrepancy because of health issues and stuff of nearly 400 plate appearances. So we're talking about three quarters of a season. So keep this in mind as we're running through. But uh, anyway, home runs. Bregman at 59. Devers, 81. 189 RBIs. 271. Oof. Uh, Stolen bases is not really a thing for either of them. 187 walks. Uh, 123 for Devers. 162 strikeouts. Yeah. Alex Bregman is not a strikeout guy. Not at all. Very much a bat-to-ball guy. Yeah, but even then, Alex Bregman with a 280 batting average compared to Devers at 291. Devers at 291, OBP, uh, what is that, 350? 391 for Bregman, OPS I, of 907. Devers got a OPS 886, OPS, OPS plus, plus one. is big, 140. Yeah, that's that's big. 128 for Devers. In fact, that's the biggest on this list. Nope, second biggest. Yeah, twelve second, two war to Devers nine six. Wait, one more time. Twelve Bregman Bregman has a twelve two war to Devers, to Devers nine, nine, six. nine six. Offensive war. So this is ten eight to eleven six for Devers. Uh, defensive. Rafael Devers is no Nolan Arenado, but I will say he is making he is making improvements he's there. Made, he's so gotten better, but he's still at negative one point one while Bregman's at two point three. Sure. Keep an eye on that category for Devers, though. It's going to go up, I would imagine. Uh, you know? Devers is close, and he might even be there after this year. Yeah. I would I would think so, and I would hope so, but you might be right. I might, may have to go Bregman three here. He solidifies Devers at four. And then there's a bit of a mashup, five through, five through probably eight, for me anyway. And this is where credit to you listeners who have clearly wanted a little more eye test. This is where it comes into play. Uh, I'll admit, and we talked about this before we hopped on here. I've people are gonna people are gonna hate this. I've got Rendon at five. Because I what did Rendon I say? It. What did I say? I said you can't go into these rankings assuming the worst. 
Like you, yes, if guys are prone to injury, you have to take that into account. But you yeah, can't, yeah. you can't go into a season being like, well, he's go- probably going to get hurt opening. You can't do that. No, you really can't. And honestly, Rendon's numbers uh, are big. You know, two ninety four batting average with a nine twenty four, nine twenty four top of the list OPS and a one forty two OPS plus top of the list. Still nine two WAR. Point four defense and positive for D War. Yeah, I mean, can we put? Randall I mean, he- healthy, healthy. We talked about this before yeah. the recording. Yeah, a healthy, normal Rendon. A, a, we're talking Washington Nationals type of production. Breakout Rendon. Rendon. He's top three on this list, no problem. So if we're going eye test and knowing what Rendon is capable of, if he can stay healthy, I have that. See, I had him at six. I had him just behind Manny Machado. All right. Well, I've got. Machado at six. So I've conceded one or two here. How about we go Rendon five and and Machado six since we're both in agreement there? It's fair. I mean, yeah, we're talking pretty big, pretty big jump in numbers. Rendon, 142 OPS plus, like we talked about. Manny Machado down to 126. Yeah, he's a 10 8 war guy. But again, he has a full year uh, ahead of him, ahead of Rendon to be able to accumulate that war. So hey, cool with it. I mean, Looking at Machado's numbers, respect Machado. He's put up some, he's put up some big boy numbers. There's yeah. no, there's no denying that. Yeah, and we've we've more than shared our opinion on that guy. But he puts up he puts up big boy numbers. So oddly enough, uh, the the slugging for for Manny Machado is much lower than I expected. Four ninety two slugging. Yeah, but he's a one twenty six OPS plus guy. So which is higher than Arenado, higher than. Oh, just just below Devers, and there's number another handful of guys on this list that that that's better. You see than what I'm saying? Man. You see what I'm saying? Like that's kind of why I had him there. No, yeah, that's why no, I, had I, get, it. I there. get it. But it's for me, it just comes not. down to a healthy quote quote unquote healthy Rendon, which is why I put him at five and Machado at six. If look, if if it goes the way it's gone, and this year plays out the same way we've seen it play out, Machado will be ahead of Rendon this year without question because Machado's just going to put up the numbers and Rendon's going to he's going to falter and fluctuate with with missed time but again I can't I can't go into it assuming that so based on based on what we've just read off I got to go Rendon five Machado six with that said who do we got seven this is where I test comes into play more than anything else this is where I kind of I went less off of numbers um these two players to me are very close seven and eight I have Austin Riley at seven and Mankata at eight. Wow. Okay. I have Riley at eight, Mankata nine. Where do you, you slot seven? Where do you slot Chapman in? I had Chapman at nine just because of the abysmal offensive numbers. True. Very yeah. Very very fair. But I mean, for the same reason you wanted to give Nolan the nod, it's like you gotta take into account Chapman's abysmal. prowess. And again, I'm not not saying they're identical in that regard, but definitely a tip of the cap to to what Chapman can do defensively. But okay, well that's interesting. At least we got the same three there. Let's let's yeah. uh, let's sort it out. All right. Um, okay, because Chapman's offensive numbers are just so bad. Let's let's do Riley and Mankata. You run through Riley's. I'll run through Mankata's. Um, they're both on. Do we both have full years? 1,165 plate appearances. Mankata's 1,400. So 
Keep that in mind. We got about a half a season less for Austin Riley. Um, fifty-nine home runs. Uh, Mankata's forty-five. Fifty-one doubles. Seventy-five for Mankata. One hundred eighty-three RBIs. One sixty-four. Eighty-four walks. One hundred fifty-two. Two very two comfortable guys. Two guys being very comfortable with the strikeout. Three hundred twenty-five <laughs> strikeouts for Austin. Three hundred and eighty-three. Yikes. Which you may, you think sounds bad? Wait till we tell you Matt Chapman's. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Two, 272. Um, uh, yeah, slashing two, 272, 333, and 494. Mankata's a 279 hitter, OBP 363, slugging 464. And they both have the same OPS. Um, OPS plus 123 from Ankata, war 9.8 to Riley. Yeah, see, this is where I don't fully understand OPS plus for such a large discrepancy and difference in the numbers. Austin Riley at a 112 OPS yeah. plus. What is yeah. that? I don't get that. I, I don't get it either. I'm just reading the numbers. I'm just going off what the numbers tell me. But like yeah. you said, this is, is this is where it gets down to the eye test. Uh, Mankata 123 to 112. Mankata 98 war to Riley's 55 and a 96 uh to 49 offensive war f- advantage for Mankata and defensive war 1 to 0.7 for Riley. So they're both swing and miss guys. Um I, mean, I could we- I could give up the edge to Mankata. Okay. I could give that up. Just but I'm definitely taking Austin Riley over Matt Chapman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right so we'll go for now let's go riley or no, i'm sorry mancata to riley all right chapman yikes man like what happened 403 strikeouts the m- second most on this list but the the other guy is not really in contention here uh 403 strikeouts he's a 231 hitter uh, OBP a 323, slugging 466, OPS 788. Yikes. Yeah. yeah. OPS 150, or I'm sorry, OPS plus 115, a war of 12-4, uh, offensive war 8-2, and as you would expect, defensive war of 5. Surprisingly higher than Nolan's, but I think wow. we, can, yeah. we can look at careers here and yeah. say Nolan's yeah. still on the right Look, track. Matt Chapman is gifted defensively. No, Absolutely. Not, no one's arguing that. But the guy's just been really bad offensively lately. So we got him at nine. Okay, you know what? <laughs> it didn't take much convincing. I I was trying to give him as much of a boost as I could. I know. Honestly, I would have I coming into this list, if I didn't look at numbers at all, if you told me Matt Chapman's the top five, I would have been like, Yeah, probably. Which is why you I look at him... these numbers and you're like, What? Yeah, I had him at seven and you have him you said you had him at what, nine? Yeah. Okay, well, I'll give you that one. Yeah, I mean the like, defense is like, great, but you, there's got to be some. You got to, it's got to be some give and take here with the offensive numbers. Like you, you're just not really for sure helping us out here, Maddie. For sure. All right, number ten. Uh, look, I had Chris Bryant, but I made a note here to for Josh Donaldson and Justin Turner, but I wrote next to it age question mark because mm-hmm. yeah, I I think you and I can both probably. At- say that Josh Donaldson is about done. Yeah. I think we're I think we're done seeing Donaldson be Donaldson. Especially most of his injuries are in the lower half. I mean, with that said though, he's an eight sixty five OPS, one twenty seven OPS plus and a nine point yeah. one war guy. Yeah. So I mean that's that's why 
I I had him on there, sixty nine bombs yeah. over that stretch, but I I think I I'm gonna give the advantage to KB. This was the toughest for me. Um, I had three names. Um, Justin Turner again kind of fits in with that age conversation. Chris Bryant was also in that conversation. I had actually had four names. Gio Urshela is interesting, is real interesting. So I'm going to say there. But lastly, the the last name. Not more interesting than KB, I will say that. So right off the, the bat, last that, name, that kicks him. Eugenio Suarez, dude. I know you said he's not in contention. <laughs> the guy has 95 home runs, which tops this list. Yeah, but, I mean, talk about one-dimensional player. I mean... The For guy sure. has 95 home runs. He's a 232 hitter, has an OPS plus a 106, and a defensive war of negative 1.3. So, like, if you're looking that, for a big that, bopper in the heart of the well, lineup, the D war, sure. The D-war I'm not too sure about because he played a ton of games at shortstop last year, which hurt him. He's not a shortstop. Sure, but, like, just – I mean, I'm not saying it's easy, I'm but, just, like – I'm be, just saying we got to at least <laughs> acknowledge that he has the most home runs on this list by far. 95 home runs. Yeah. I mean, it the was next, that. the next closest was Nolan at 83. 95 home runs. I got to go KB. I hear you, but I'm going to go KB. I mean, there's a there's a decent chance KB doesn't replicate, but I'm cool yeah, with KB. We're cool going with KB. off of going off the For sure. Cool with KB. All right. There you have it. There's our list. Well done. Shortstop next week. Oh boy. That'll be fun. That's always my favorite. Oh boy. That's going to be Let's just Let me just say I have seen some lists out there already, some top 10 yeah. shortstops entering 2022, and let me just say they're terrible. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. We're going to we're going to get it right next week. Count on that. I feel like we got it right today. Solid list. Again, look at the numbers. You're in the, I see you in the comments all the time just telling people to look at the numbers and that's to some it. Some people's credit they do they do. Some people choose not to and they decide to stay yeah. that's fine their choice yeah. but uh that's all i got also i don't i don't like the whole uh, idea of of your argument being projections i uh, i get the eye test sure but like don't hit me with like projected to be this no, no one knows no one knows what rendon is going to be no one knows if chris Bryan is going to hold up you know what i'm saying like no one knows wise, if matt no chapman's going to have a breakout offensive year that's no what I'm saying. Knows. No one knows that. That's why we go back three years worth of numbers to give us a decent amount. They're also, we have to go back three years because this past year, what if they had a down year? What if they were injured? And then the year before that was only 60 games. Then the year before that gives it a better idea of the consistency. Got to right? eliminate Consistency the has to be a part of the equation. Can't just be all one side. So think about that when you're looking at stuff and Honestly, if you're curious, you can hit me up. I don't know if you want to reveal it. I've had some conversations with different people. I hit him in the DMs with this exact picture of stats that we pull. And I sent it to him. I said, you give me a list. I've yet to get one back. Ooh, I like that. Hit I've us up. I've yet to get one back. Hit, hit us me up back. If- I will send you a picture of the list Kyle and I are specifically referring to. And you hit me back with the list. And you give me reasons. Because we gave you reasons. Fire me up. I love that. That's all I'm saying. I'm open to it. Hit us up. If you disagree, message us. We'll send you some numbers. We'll talk about it. That's it. it. We'll talk about it. I have no problem having an open discussion. I do have a problem with you chasing curveballs, though. Don't do that. Hey, we love y'all. And as always, looking forward to talking more baseball with you guys soon. Until next time, stay filthy.